Section 7 of The Presidential Task Force on Market Mechanisms. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Patrick McAfee, Merritt Island. Chapter 7. Regulatory Implications. Stocks, stock index futures, and stock options constitute one market, mandating a regulatory structure designed to be consistent with this economic reality. The failure of these market segments to perform as one market contributed to the violence of the market break in October 1987, which brought the financial system near to a breakdown. To a large extent, the failure was rooted in institutional and regulatory rigidities as well as misconceptions of market participants. That this crisis was precipitated to a large extent by the activity of a few active institutions illustrates the vulnerability of the financial system and the need for remedial action. This failure is amenable to reform. To prevent future damage, this inextricably interrelated system of markets needs to work smoothly and in harmony. The growth of intermarket trading activities is a phenomenon of the 1980s. The October 1987 experience illustrates that regulatory changes derived from the one market concept are necessary both to reduce the possibility of destructive market breaks and to deal effectively with such episodes should they occur. The guiding objective should be to enhance the integrity and competitiveness of U.S. financial markets. One market mandates one agency for intermarket issues. The analysis of the October market break demonstrates that one agency must have the authority to coordinate a few but critical intermarket regulatory issues, monitor intermarket activities, and mediate intermarket concerns. This intermarket, across markets, agency need not take responsibility for all intramarket, within one market, regulatory issues. Such matters as securities registration, tender offer rules, and regulation of stock and option trading practices should be left to the SEC, which has the required expertise in these areas. Intramarket issues in futures markets should remain within the purview of the CFTC, which has expertise in the design and regulation of futures contracts and markets. However, there are a few important intermarket regulatory issues which must be considered jointly and simultaneously across market segments to ensure that intermarket systems operate harmoniously. These are issues which cannot be decided from the perspective of a single marketplace. Doing so imposes pervasive, unavoidable, and possibly destabilizing influences on other related marketplaces and on the interrelated market system as a whole. Intermarket reform raises two fundamental questions. 
who should have the responsibility for intermarket coordination? What are the few crucial intermarket issues which must be assigned to the intermarket agency? The choice of the agency follows from the requirements of the intermarket task. The October experience demonstrates that the issues which have an impact across related markets and throughout the financial system include clearing and credit mechanisms, margin requirements, circuit breaker mechanisms such as price limits and trading halts, and information systems for monitoring intermarket activities. It is important to recognize that this approach does not involve imposing substantial new regulatory burdens. For the most part, it involves the reallocation of existing regulatory tasks in a manner designed to conform to the fundamental economic reality that stocks, stock index futures, and options are one market. The Intermarket Agency the October episode gives a clear view of the characteristics and expertise required to coordinate intermarket issues relating to stocks, stock index futures, and options. The most fundamental requirement is broad and deep expertise in these market segments and instruments. However, expertise in individual instruments and market segments is not sufficient. The key requirement is expertise in the interaction of instruments and marketplaces as an integrated system. Moreover, the October break illustrates that difficulties in stocks and derivative market segments produce dislocations in other financial markets. These, in turn, exacerbate the problem in stocks and derivative market segments. The market break profoundly affected bond and foreign exchange markets, as well as the extension of credit by the banking system. Indeed, the confidence and liquidity of the entire financial system were at risk in October. In addition, global markets were involved. The precipitous decline in the U.S. market was accompanied by a concurrent break in equity markets around the world. Cross-listing of stocks and cross-border investment have strengthened the linkages among global equity markets. During the October break, U.S. market participants were sellers of foreign stocks and U.S. stocks listed on foreign markets. Specialized transactions in U.S. securities and stock index futures were executed in London. United States bond futures markets in London were influenced by the Federal Reserve's injection of liquidity, as were foreign exchange markets. In short, the October market break had ramifications in a wide variety of global financial markets. Expertise in individual market segments is therefore not sufficient for effective response to intermarket crises. The October experience demonstrates that the intermarket agency must consider the interactions among a wide variety of markets encompassing stocks, 
stock index futures, stock options, bonds, foreign exchange, and the credit and banking system in both domestic and foreign markets. The critical requirement for the intermarket agency is broad expertise in the financial system as a whole because the greatest potential risk of intermarket failure is to the financial system as a whole, rather than to individual market segments. Financial system expertise is required to deal with a financial system crisis. This expertise is also critical for monitoring and responding to intermarket problems and thus avoiding a financial crisis. In addition, this intermarket agency needs to serve a broad constituency. Since intermarket activities affect the health of the financial system, this constituency is not dominated by the active market participants so prominent in the October episode, nor is the constituency limited to individual investors, the majority owners of U.S. equities. The intermarket agency serves the broader constituency of all those who have a stake in the financial system. Because of its broad constituency, this agency needs the independence to resist demands of partisan political and economic interests, particularly those of active market participants. The stakes are simply too high, the potential adverse consequences of market failure too pervasive. Independence must be balanced by responsiveness. The intermarket agency must respond to evolving needs of financial market participants. Competitive financial markets are a valuable national asset, and the competition for their services is worldwide. Intermarket coordination must be sufficiently flexible to accommodate the innovation in instruments and markets necessary to maintain and strengthen the competitiveness of U.S. financial markets. Therefore, an analysis of the October experience demonstrates the need for one regulatory body with responsibility for rationalizing intermarket issues. The task requires broad expertise in the interaction of domestic and global financial markets, financial strength, prestige, independence, and responsiveness. The task force compared these requirements with alternative regulatory structures, self-regulatory organizations. Self-regulatory organizations, SROs, such as securities and commodities exchanges, are uniquely qualified to regulate intramarket activities. Since they are closest to the action, SROs have the best view of the regulatory needs of their individual market segments. Furthermore, they are motivated by self-interest to preserve the integrity of their marketplace. Nonetheless, SROs are not well suited for intermarket tasks. They lack the authority to coordinate issues across markets and the resources to deal with intermarket issues. Finally, 
it is not apparent that they possess either the expertise or the incentive to represent the broader constituencies within the domestic and global financial system. The Securities and Exchange Commission Centralizing responsibility for stocks, stock index futures, and options within the SEC is attractive on several grounds. The SEC has responsibility for regulating stocks and stock options. Thus, it might seem logical to assign the SEC the responsibility for stocks and all derivative instruments. Moreover, the SEC is structured as an independent agency and has the prestige and influence required for effective regulation. There are drawbacks to this solution to intermarket regulation. Extending SEC authority to stock index futures might require an investment in expertise necessary to regulate complex instruments new to its regulatory purview. This was necessary for the SEC's regulation of stock options. The expertise needed to regulate stock index futures could be acquired by transferring personnel from the CFTC. Doing so might deplete the CFTC's resources and interfere with its capacity to carry out its other regulatory duties. Moreover, the SEC's experience and expertise is focused primarily on regulating intramarket activities, not on rationalizing the interactions among markets. To be effective as an intermarket regulator, the SEC might have to fund the acquisition of expertise in a wide variety of financial markets in the credit and banking system and in international markets. Joint SEC-CFTC Responsibility A single regulator created through joint SEC-CFTC responsibility could be achieved through a merger of the two agencies, a formal joint committee arrangement, or strict requirements for coordination of intermarket regulatory issues. This alternative would bring together the expertise of the SEC and CFTC with respect to specific types of instruments and intra-market regulatory issues. Nonetheless, combining two agencies with intra-market expertise in their respective market segments would not necessarily produce effective intermarket regulation. This alternative might not provide the broad financial system expertise needed to oversee the interaction of domestic and global markets, as well as the banking system. Finally, the need for coordinating the few critical intermarket issues does not diminish the importance of detailed supervision of the much wider range of intramarket activities. The addition of intermarket responsibility risks draining resources from the important regulatory tasks that the SEC and CFTC must administer within their respective market segments.
Joint Federal Reserve SEC-CFTC Committee. The addition of the Federal Reserve would supplement the intra-market expertise of the SEC and CFTC with the broad financial system expertise of the Federal Reserve. Although this alternative has attractive aspects, there are drawbacks. The committee's effectiveness depends upon resisting the intra-market perspective and constituencies of committee representatives. Moreover, the most important objective of intermarket regulation is to avoid an intermarket crisis. This requires clear responsibility for ongoing monitoring of intermarket activities and clear authority to act to avoid a crisis. A joint agency committee may not be well suited for this task. Within a joint agency committee, responsibility and authority could become diffuse. In times of crisis, a committee structure would prove cumbersome when immediate action would be imperative. Although there are relatively few intermarket issues to be coordinated, the health of the financial system depends upon effective intermarket regulation. This argues for investing the responsibility in a single responsive agency with the authority to act promptly, rather than assembling a committee representing several agencies. The Federal Reserve In most countries, the central bank, as part of its broader responsibility for the health of a nation's financial system, is the intermarket regulator. The Federal Reserve has a primary responsibility for the health of the U.S. financial system. The Federal Reserve works closely with the Department of the Treasury to achieve this goal. This responsibility and the Federal Reserve's accumulated expertise in discharging this responsibility are arguments in its favor as the appropriate intermarket agency. The intermarket crisis in October ultimately required the Federal Reserve to step in to inject liquidity and boost confidence. This rescue imposed costs and constraints on other economic policy objectives. Since intermarket failure and damage to the financial system ultimately fall upon the Federal Reserve, it could be argued that the Federal Reserve should possess the authority to prevent such an intermarket crisis. Further, in a crisis, the liquidity of the financial system in general, and the banking system in particular, is affected. This is the Federal Reserve's central area of expertise. The Federal Reserve, with its view of money flows, is experienced in assessing interactions and imbalances among marketplaces, as opposed to intramarket concerns. It has experience in international financial market coordination. The importance of these attributes is illustrated by the October break, which involved not only stocks, futures, and options, but bonds, foreign exchange, 
and international markets. The Federal Reserve also possesses the other characteristics required of an effective intermarket agency. It has the ability, standing, and influence to establish and coordinate consistent intermarket requirements and to inspire intermarket confidence. Finally, there are precedents for the Federal Reserve as an intermarket agency. The Federal Reserve already has formal responsibility for margin requirements on stocks and stock options. Adding futures margins to the Federal Reserve's purview would be a logical extension of its current responsibilities and is not a major change. Also, the Federal Reserve regulates bank lending to securities market participants. Despite these advantages, there are drawbacks to the Federal Reserve as the intermarket agency. Intermarket coordination would be a new responsibility involving the burden of additional tasks. The Federal Reserve might need to build expertise in intramarket issues in order to carry out its intermarket oversight. Another problem with the Federal Reserve as the intermarket agency is the danger that market participants may take on more risk in the expectation that the Federal Reserve will bail them out in a crisis. Intermarket responsibility could give the Federal Reserve a role to play before financial system crises develop. However, it would still have no requirement to guarantee the actions of any particular firm. Balancing the advantage of independence is the need for responsiveness. Of all the major regulatory agencies, the Federal Reserve is perhaps the most independent. Therein lies the potential for a lack of responsiveness to legitimate needs for financial market evolution and innovation. If unresponsive, the Federal Reserve could impair the competitiveness of U.S. financial markets. The Department of the Treasury The Treasury Department possesses most of the advantages of the Federal Reserve. It has broad financial system perspective and expertise, international standing in a variety of markets, financial strength, prestige, and influence. However, unlike the Federal Reserve, the SEC and the CFTC, which are structured as independent agencies, the Treasury is part of the executive branch. Because the Secretary of the Treasury and the Treasury staff serve at the pleasure of the President, it has less independence as a regulatory agency. A new regulatory body. It would be possible to establish a new regulatory body designed to coordinate intermarket issues. This alternative appears to be more expensive than and inferior to harnessing the accumulated expertise and standing of an existing agency. Guided by the October experience, an analysis of the requirements for effective intermarket coordination 
demonstrates that expertise in the interaction of markets is the critical requirement. This does not require major restructuring of intra-market regulatory responsibilities. Instead, a few important intermarket issues need to be coordinated by one agency possessing intermarket perspective and expertise. Intermarket issues. Intermarket issues are those which systematically and unavoidably impose influences on all markets. The few important intermarket issues which need to be harmonized by a single body include clearing and credit mechanisms, margin requirements, circuit breaker mechanisms such as price limits and trading halts, and information systems for monitoring intermarket activities. These issues are not the separate concern of individual market segments. The October break illustrates that decisions in one marketplace profoundly affect other marketplaces and the financial system as a whole. Clearing and Credit Mechanisms Clearing and credit mechanisms need to be unified. With separate clearing houses for each market segment, no single clearing corporation has an overview of the intermarket positions of market participants. No clearing house is able to assess accurately intermarket exposure among its clearing members and among their customers. Separate clearing also hampers lenders in assessing the risk exposure of market participants and interferes with collateralization of intermarket positions. In the current system, margin flows are based on intramarket positions and the timing of margin flows differs across clearinghouses. For the sort of intermarket transactions which are the mainstay of these markets, funds must be shuttled from clearinghouse to clearinghouse in the margin settlement process. This process creates imbalances in financing needs and increases demand for bank credit. The complexity and fragmentation of the separate clearing mechanisms in stocks, futures, and options, in conjunction with massive volume, violent price volatility, and staggering demands on bank credit, brought the financial system to the brink on Tuesday, October 20. Some clearinghouses were late in making payments. There were rumors concerning the viability of clearinghouses and market participants. This, in turn, affected the willingness of lenders to finance market participants under the uncommitted lending arrangements common in the industry. This crisis of confidence raised the specter of a full-scale financial system breakdown and required the Federal Reserve to provide liquidity and confidence. The complexity of the clearing and credit mechanisms rather than a substantive problem of solvency, was at fault. What is needed is unified clearing with stocks, stock index futures, and stock options, all cleared through a single mechanism. 
Unified Clearing facilitates the smooth settlement of intermarket transactions, which is the linchpin of these markets. It clarifies the credit risk of lending to participants engaged in intermarket transactions. This would reduce the chance of financial gridlock and the attendant risk to the financial system. Margin Requirements Since stocks, stock index futures, and stock options compose, in an economic sense, one market, margins need to be rationalized across markets. While margins on stocks and options are already within the Federal Reserve's regulatory purview, futures margins are currently determined by futures exchanges and thus are not subject to intermarket oversight. Futures margins should be consistent with effective stock margins for professional market participants, such as broker-dealers, and cross-margining should be implemented. Margins have two fundamental characteristics. First, margin requirements affect intramarket performance risk. Margins serve as a performance bond to secure the ability of market participants to meet their obligations. Second, margins represent collateral. Thus, margin requirements control the leverage possible in the investment in any financial instrument. On the first point, the intramarket financial performance control aspect of margin requirements, the concept of margins on futures differs fundamentally from that of margins on stock investments. The daily process of marking to market the value of investments in which futures losers must advance margin to pay futures winners differs fundamentally from the stock market margin process of advancing payments against a lending formula. Despite low margin requirements, the financial performance control aspect of futures margins has operated in a sound and effective manner on an intramarket basis. However, margins are more than a financial performance control mechanism. All margin requirements have one aspect in common. Margins are collateral and control the effective economic leverage achievable in any financial instrument. Because margins on futures are lower than those on stocks, market participants can achieve much greater leverage by investing through futures. With a given initial investment, a market participant can control a much greater equity investment indirectly through futures than through a direct investment in stocks. The differing level of financial leverage inherent in differing margin requirements warrants concern for two reasons. First, constraints on leverage control the volume of speculative investment activity. Second, leverage translates into financial risk, which extends beyond the performance obligation of a specific transaction and a specific marketplace. It has been long recognized 
that margin requirements through leverage affect the volume of speculative activity. Controlling speculative behavior is one approach to inhibiting overvaluation in stocks and reducing the potential for a precipitate price decline fueled by the involuntary selling that stems, for example, from margin calls. The equity action achievable with low margin investment in futures has the potential to increase intermarket leverage for market participants. The resulting financial risk may affect their ability to meet obligations in other market segments. Because of the potentially wide-ranging consequences, the level of leverage within the financial system is a legitimate intermarket concern rather than the narrow concern of a particular market segment. The October experience illustrates how a relatively few aggressive professional market participants can produce dramatic swings in market prices. Moreover, the mid-October episode demonstrates that such pressures are transmitted from one marketplace to marketplace and, at times, pressures concentrated in one market segment can have traumatic effects on the whole system. Low futures margins allow investors to control large positions with low initial investments. The clear implication is that margin requirements affect intermarket risk and are not the private concern of a single marketplace. Nonetheless, it does not make sense to impose on all futures investors the stock margin requirement for individual investors. The stock index futures market is a professional market. Speculation by individual investors appears not to have been a serious problem in the October decline. Speculation by professional market participants is, however, a realistic concern. In the stock market, professionals are not subject to the 50% margin requirement applicable to individuals. Professionals, such as broker-dealers, can invest in stocks on 20% to 25% margin. The same professionals can take equivalent positions in stock through the futures market on much lower margin. To protect the intermarket system, margins on stock index futures need to be consistent with margins for professional market participants in the stock market. Such requirements need not produce equal margins on futures and stocks, but should reflect the different structure of the two related market segments. However, similar margins resulting in roughly equivalent risk and leverage between the two market segments are necessary to enforce consistent intermarket public policy objectives concerning leverage and speculation. Higher futures margins in line with equivalent stock margins for professionals need not hamper futures market makers and hedged futures participants. 
Consistent with the one market concept, cross-margining should be allowed. Market participants with an investment in futures should be allowed to receive credit for an offsetting or hedged investment in stocks or options. Cross-margining allows margin regulators to focus on the true intermarket risk exposure of participants rather than focusing myopically on a single market segment. In view of the October experience, the underlying logic of consistent margins for professional market participants in the one market system is compelling. If, from a public policy viewpoint, a given margin level for investment in stocks makes sense should lower margins and the potential for more financial leverage and speculative investment be allowed for market participants investing in stocks via derivative instruments? Should two margin requirements apply to what is, in effect, one market? Circuit breaker mechanisms. Circuit breaker mechanisms involve trading halts in the various market segments. Examples include price limits, position limits, volume limits, trading halts reflecting order imbalances, trading halts in derivatives associated with conditions in the primary marketplaces, and the like. To be effective, such mechanisms need to be coordinated across the markets for stocks, stock index futures, and options. Circuit breakers need to be in place prior to a market crisis, and they need to be part of the economic and contractual landscape. The need for circuit breaker mechanisms reflects the natural limit to intermarket liquidity, the inherently limited capacity of markets to absorb massive one-sided volume. Circuit breakers have three benefits. First, they limit credit risks and loss of financial confidence by providing a timeout amid frenetic trading to settle up and ensure that everyone is solvent. Second, they facilitate price discovery by providing a timeout to pause, evaluate, inhibit panic, and publicize order imbalances to attract value traders to cushion violent movements in the market. Finally, circuit breaker mechanisms counter the illusion of liquidity by formalizing the economic fact of life so apparent in October that markets have a limited capacity to absorb massive one-sided volume. Making circuit breakers part of the contractual landscape makes it far more difficult for some market participants, pension portfolio insurers, aggressive mutual funds, to mislead themselves into believing that it is possible to sell huge amounts in short time periods. This makes it less likely in the future that flawed trading strategies will be pursued to the point of disrupting markets and threatening the financial system.
Thus, circuit breakers cushion the impact of market movements, which would otherwise damage infrastructures. They protect markets and investors. There are perceived disadvantages to circuit breaker mechanisms. They may hinder trading and hedging strategies. Trading halts may lock investors in, preventing them from exiting the market. However, circuit breakers in a violent market are inevitable. The October market break produced its own circuit breakers. The clogging of the dot system for NYSE order processing and OTC trading systems, ad hoc trading halts in individual stocks, in options and trading index futures, jammed communication systems, and some less than responsive specialists and market makers throughout markets. These market disorders became, in effect, ad hoc circuit breakers, reflecting the natural limits to market liquidity. The October 1987 market break demonstrates that it is far better to design and implement coherent, coordinated circuit breaker mechanisms in advance than to be left at the mercy of the unavoidable circuit breakers of chaos and system failure. To be effective, circuit breaker mechanisms need to be rationalized across stocks, stock index futures, and option markets. Coordination is necessary to prevent intermarket failure of the kind experienced in October. The intermarket impact of trading halts was vividly illustrated in October, when the NYSE's automated stock order system DOT was rendered ineffective. Index arbitrage became infeasible, robbing the index futures markets of much-needed buying power. From the narrow perspective of the stock market, an inactive DOT system may have appeared beneficial, since it made program selling difficult. However, this contributed to the development of a futures discount, which in turn put downward pressure on stock prices. Also, trading halts in NYSE stocks interfered with options and futures trading. Indeed, there are numerous examples in the October break of the impact of trading constraints in one marketplace on conditions in other marketplaces. Trading halts such as price limits are not the private concerns of individual market segments. Because they affect trading throughout the intermarket system, circuit breakers need to be coordinated from a broader intermarket perspective. In a crisis, the need for intermarket information and coordination of trading halts is imperative to avoid intermarket failure. Closing one market segment can have a destabilizing impact throughout the market system. An intermarket perspective facilitates a timely and effective response to crisis. 
Information Systems Intermarket information systems are currently insufficient to monitor the intermarket trading strategies that are so significant to the one-market system. Intermarket monitoring systems are necessary to assess market conditions and to diagnose developing problems. The October experience illustrates the need for a trading information system incorporating the trade, time of the trade, and the name of the ultimate customer in every major market segment. This is critical to assess the nature and cause of a market crisis to determine who bought and who sold. This information can be used to diagnose developing problems as well as to uncover potentially damaging abuses. The Futures Clearinghouse and Large Trader Information Systems currently allow assessment of trading time by trading customers. The stock exchanges have no system which details trades and trading times by customer. Stock systems include only the broker-dealers involved and whether the broker-dealer acted as principal or agent. Customer information for all market segments is critical to assessing threats to the intermarket system, and all major exchanges should be required to maintain such an information system. The October experience illustrates the need for information systems capable of monitoring conditions throughout the one market system. Conclusion One intermarket system mandates one agency to coordinate the few critical intermarket regulatory issues, clearing and credit arrangements, margins, circuit breakers, and information systems. This intermarket agency need not be involved in detailed intramarket regulatory issues in which the SEC, the CFTC, and the self-regulatory organizations have expertise. The expertise required of the intermarket agency is evident from the nature of the task. In many respects, the problems associated with the October market break can be traced to intermarket failure. Institutional and regulatory structures designed for separate marketplaces were incapable of dealing with a precipitate intermarket decline which brought the financial system to the brink. Although exchanges may not be pleased with the prospect of intermarket regulation, the task force has concluded it is essential to ensure the integrity of financial markets. It is important to note that, for the most part, this proposal does not involve substantial additional regulatory burdens. Rather, it involves the reallocation of existing responsibility to conform to new economic realities. Intermarket trading activities are an important innovation and contribute to the competitiveness 
of U.S. markets. These activities have evolved and grown rapidly during the past five years. The regulatory structure has not evolved in a corresponding manner and remains primarily an intramarket activity. This needs to be changed. The pressing need for coordination of intermarket issues is the chief lesson to be learned from the October experience. Rationalizing intermarket issues is the key to avoiding future market crises and ensuring the efficiency and competitiveness of U.S. markets. End of Section 7 Recording by Patrick McAfee, Merritt Island